Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Cool Sora Podcast. I hope you are having a fabulous day or evening whenever you decide to download this particular episode. And we are joined by a Cool Sora of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Yes, Miss Lakeisha P. Dixon. She's an educator, an activist, a mom, and a wife. She is absolutely spectacular, and you will find out when you listen to this episode entitled Lakeisha the Resilient. Enjoy. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey, y'all. I am a cool soror of What's up, y'all? I'm a cool soror of Hi, I am a cool soror of podcast hosted by me Rashawn Ali welcome to another edition of the cool soror podcast yes today we are joined by Lakeisha P Dixon she's a whole lot of things including a principal at Arlington's Christian schools motivational speaker author I think she does it all Lakeisha welcome to the show and you are a cool soror of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated how you doing sis I'm doing well how are you look at you I love the smile thank you Do thank people you. talk about your smile a lot all the time I'm gonna pay good money for these teeth. yes <laughs> yes come on braces all right <laughs> well let's talk about you you know you're bringing Miami you're, you're from Miami then you started off at FIU yes I did. yeah why did you decide to kind of stay in the area well you know um at that moment, I, was, I wasn't ready right away gotcha. to, go, to go to school. And so then once I started FIU, I did well. And then I always wanted HBCU at heart. But right. I was a, a young graduating um, senior, so I graduated at 17. So okay. I wasn't quite, quite ready. Quite ready, yeah. You know, so then once that was done, I was able to just kind of transition. It was an easy transition because by then I was driving long distances and I was making that drive from Miami to Tallahassee yes. quickly with my eyes closed. Right, and that right. was easy at that point. What were you able to learn about yourself in that those few? first years at FIU? Um, I think at the, the first years I thought there's you can't beat the college experience of actually leaving home. Yeah. And for me, we I'm, I grew up military, so I moved a lot with my family. Right. And it was just kind of time for me to do my own move. And because I had moved a lot mm-hmm. younger, I was able to move, you know, easier. I was able to transition easier. Um, I had a lot of things inside of me that I didn't know that I had before. Like what? Um, I guess resiliency, because mm-hmm. when you grow up in the military, although your your parents are, your parents or parents, they, they travel a lot and they leave a lot, but kind of people are always there for you. You okay. have, you, the military support is big, so they're in your schools, they're, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have to do much on your own, um, but it teaches you to be independent in a sense. So yeah. it was time for me to kind of break out. It was time to do my own thing without all the... There's, there's support, and then there's doing it for you. And right, I want right. to do some things on my own. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. So you, you found out the type of strength that you have as a woman. And then, of course, you know, I know people are like, wow, ah, she always has these people from Florida A&M on her podcast. That's but, right. you know, I didn't know you went to FAM until no. I got your sheets. You some know what I mean? Some of the best people have gone to FAMU. Yes. Case in point, our host. <laughs> Thank you very That's much. It. Thank you very much. So what was your experience like um, at Florida A&M? Best experience ever and so I have a daughter she's 16 okay. and I'm we, my husband and I are both kind of pushing her for to the HBCU route absolutely it's a family mm-hmm. so they want us to succeed they want us to, to be somebody they want us to be successful because we you know in truth are, are the future right so I think that 
was a big part for me because I didn't feel like I had all of these hardcore professors that were down my back. I felt like, yes, I had my auntie, but she was holding me accountable. You okay, know what I mean? Okay. That, like our professors were just extensions of our family. Absolutely. But they held you accountable for academic excellence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I hope that, you know, I hope you guys are pushing hard enough so that she yes. makes that way, her way to an HBCU. Now, we are. But listen, my husband went to Bethune. Oh. So you know what that's that, about, That right? rivalry right there. But rivalry. If, I mean, if she picks one of the two, at least you win in yeah, some way, sort of. Uh, yeah, exactly. I some way, kind of. Sort of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, kind of. Have you, you are a principal um, here uh, at a private school outside mm. of Atlanta. Have you always just had a zest for education? You know what? I don't, I don't think when I went into education that I, that I knew I had a zest for it. Mm -hmm. It was, to be very honest with you, I was a young mom, and I, when I went to college, I honestly thought I was going to go to law school, mm -hmm. to be very honest with you. Okay. I had a degree in English and, um, because I was going to go to law school after. Then I was a young mom, and I'm like, okay, well, what can I do because I got this little baby and she's dependent on me. Right. So I said, well, if I go into education, so I, I started to minor in education. Okay. And so um, if I go into education, I can always be there for her, no matter what, because I'm going to have all this off time and different things like that. And then I always, no matter what I was doing, was teaching somebody something yes but not intentionally but just in things that I did let me show you how to do this let mm -hmm. me let me show you how to do that and so it ended up developing into this passion and it's this thing that um I always say when I interview teachers or interview other educators there's a thing and I, can't, I don't know what that thing yes. is but there's a thing that you have to have to get kids to gravitate to you and to hear your message yes and I had that thing right so because I had that thing I was wildly successful in the classroom. I moved up relatively quickly in education. I mean, super duper fast yeah. because I was able to grow, you know, and grow up, grow my students and get achievement and results like yes. that. And so it was a gift that I always had in me that I just, you know, circumstances allowed it to bring it out of me. Right, right. Yeah. What, what did you teach when you were in the classroom? Um, first, at, at, when I was in Miami, I taught at Booker T. Washington Senior High, um, and I taught English and intensive reading. Okay. And then I came, we moved up here to, to Atlanta, and then I kept teaching reading and English and reading and more English, and um, it kind of developed into this. I see you. You, you smile when you talk about education or just what yeah. you taught. Where does that come from? You know, I was always one of those people that um, when I was younger, I, I mean, I didn't, you know how you have those friends that are, oh, this is my friend, she's the best dresser, or this is my friend, she's really good at track or really good. I never kind of had that thing that I never had my own thing, you know, um, that I did. I mean, I could make people laugh and I could be the life of a party, but I didn't have a thing that I could say, oh, I'm really good at this and, and this weekend while while my friends are hanging out, I'm gonna go practice my thing. Yeah. But I always was a good writer. I always wrote, no matter what I would, I would write. And still didn't know it was my gift. Yeah. Had no clue. Um, I remember writing an essay my senior year and printing it out, old school printers. You know how you have to tear the perforated oh, lines off? Oh, yes, I do. And I remember tearing the perforated lines off and leaving it on my counter so I didn't forget to bring it to school. Mm -hmm. And my mom wrote on a sticky note, you are amazing. You are a terrific writer. And I didn't even think of myself as a good writer at that time. No wow. clue. Wow. And she wrote this sticky note. And so that just, I don't know, it grew, it grew my confidence. Yeah. Even though I always wrote, no one ever recognized me for writing. Yeah. You know, as you just wrote because you, you had to write, you mm -hmm. know. And no one ever recognized me for that. And um, 
when I when I started to when I majored in English and when I decided to teach, I I wanted someone to feel how my mom made me feel when yes. she gave me that sticky note. Okay, you know, and so when I got that sticky note that told me that I was great, I wanted kids to believe. I know what it did for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It made me believe that I was fantastic at that thing. I wanted to give kids the same thing. So I knew I was good at English and in reading. So let me show you how to feel the way that my mom Ooh. made me feel. Did did you did you take that experience with your mother and say? My my way to encourage my children may be through a sticky note. Did you, you know, do that? You know, maybe not necessarily a sticky note. Uh-huh. But what I did was, is immediately when my children were born, I I gave them names. Mm-hmm. I gave them names outside of their own names. So I have, I have three children, um, ranging. My daughter's gonna be sixteen. Oh, oh, look my at God. you! <laughs> oh my gosh, she's gonna be sixteen next um, next month. But. Um, I named her Anaya, but I called her Anaya the Amazing. Wow. And then I had Caden, and I called him Caden the Great. Uh And then I had Logan, and I called him Logan the Magnificent. Yes. And when I called them these names, and they they begin to embody these names. And when I tell you truthfully, when you speak things over people. Come on. They become that thing. Yes. And when my mother spoke that over me to say, you are great at this, I became great at that thing. Right. Same thing with my children. Anaya truly is amazing. I don't care what she, I think it's amazing. I don't care what she's doing. She's Mm -hmm. amazing at it. Uh Uh-huh. Caden is great at every, and he really is. And Logan is magnificent at the things that he does because they believe it because I told it to them. Right. And they believe everything parents say at a young age. And if you just keep telling them that, they will become that thing that you tell them. You've got to pour into them. Yes. And so not necessarily the sticky notes, but I encourage them every day with what I call them. I yeah. call them by that thing. So it was a symbolic, I guess, symbolic, symbolic of the sticky note. That's probably a better question. It was question. a symbolic yeah. sticky note. Yes, yes. Yes, it was. And I, and I will have to echo those sentiments. My husband and I, we've been using this mantra since our children could understand. It, and we say, do your best and be a leader. Just got my daughter's progress report at her new school. Mm-hmm. And every, all nine teachers talked about her leadership skills. Because you, you spoke that over her. Right. Like, she is a leader because you said she was. Right. Yeah, and I love it. Oh, God, mm. girl, you're going to give me these chill bumps. <laughs> come on, episode. Uh, come on. A, let me put a uh, circle around Come you. on, come <laughs> on, come on. So uh, do you miss being in the classroom and seeing those instant results and now that you're kind of not managing but, like, taking care of a lot of people? Do you ever miss the feeling of the classroom? I do because yeah. there's a thing when you – when you're teaching someone something and you and they don't get it, but then all of a sudden they get it, you see it. You see it in their eyes like, I got what you're saying now. And especially when you've planned a lesson or, or done something, there's a light that opens up inside them. And when I tell you that's the best high Man. that you'll ever get when somebody gets what you're saying yeah. and like, you know, all of this is not for any, you know, for nothing. Yeah. When in leadership there's not that instant gratification. You know, it takes time. You know, you might be the end of school year and say, oh, that thing I implemented in August, it's paying off in May. Right. But, you know, if, if you're working on a lesson, I can work on that lesson, work on that lesson. But by the end of maybe a week or two, I can see that, that there's a change in that student. Right, Whereas right. In, in leadership and in, in, in administration, it's harder to see those, those moments of success yeah. as quickly. Do you still love what you do, though, even at this level? level? I think... Well, for me, I think at this point, education as a whole, while I love education, it's gotten so political. What is this about? Money? It it is, and it's taken the fun, honest to goodness, out of of education. It's taken the wind out of a lot of of good teachers' sales. Mm. And and, um, 
while I, while I love the idea and I love the concept of educating and growing children and helping them to succeed, it isn't as fun as it used to be. And yeah. I think it's because of political influence over everything that we do in education. I know everything that we do in, in jobs, there is a political aspect to it, but so much so that it's, um, it's not authentic. Yeah. And, and I think the authenticity is what makes education so fun for me and yeah. why I'm so passionate about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Let's go back to Caden the Great. You have this book, Caden the Great and the Sinister Lunch Lady. Tell me about this book and what was the motivation behind this book? So I have a, a son, Caden, who was born in 2007, and he was born with a random genetic mutation called NF, or neuro, the formal term is neurofibromatosis. Okay. He has type 1, and everyone says NF for short. And basically what NF is is that anywhere you have a nerve on your body, mm -hmm. you can grow a tumor. Oh my so God. you know you got nerves all over your body, yeah, right? Yeah. That's how we feel. So um, you, you have the, the, the ability to grow a tumor on a nerve. And um, didn't know this, at the age of, let me see, two when he was most verbal, he had like a spot on his ankle, which I thought and everybody else in my life thought was a birthmark. It was just like a dark, like a discoloration. Yeah. It's not like he has a birthmark. So when he was able to talk and was more verbal, when it's time to you know put on a shoe, you gotta do that little wiggle yeah. to get the shoe on. Yeah. He went, oh, ouch, 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 ouch. I'm like, he thinks because it's a different color that it's a boo-boo. It's an ouch, you know, but, it's something right. to hurt. And so it just kept bothering, kept bothering him. And his, um, his in-home care provider, she says, I don't know. I, he's, something's. something's up. And I say, I know. He keeps complaining about this leg. I said, well, let me just take him to the doctor. Took him to a couple of different people. Um, I went through the gamut, um, got custom orthotics made, everything, because we thought, okay, he's flat-footed or something like that. It wasn't until we went to this one podiatrist when we were trying to get another custom orthotic made, because he outgrew the other one. Yeah. Um, he said, have you ever, and he was a, a kid, like an intern, have you ever heard of NF or neurofibromatosis? And I said, what? What? Uh -huh. You know, yeah, I think you need, to, you need to check that out. So we go back to his pediatrician, and I say, I was just at the podiatrist getting this done, and he told me to check back with you because he might have something called neurofibromatosis. And his doctor goes, well, do you remember when we were doing checkups, you know, about six months ago, and I asked you about these little freckles on his chest? They, they, look, they look like little tiny birthmarks. I say, yes, I, I remember, and, and, and you asked me if there was any illness in my family, and, and we hadn't had any. She says, well, I, I thought maybe he had it, but because it presents in different ways, okay. it might not have been anything to, to cause So alarm. maybe she didn't want to scare you? She didn't want to scare me. Okay. So. Because I'm looking at her like, like side eye. Sideways, like, let's, let's right? Let's get all I mean, way. Let's, come on, give me the gamut. And by then, my child. And by then, he's three. So by then, he's three. And so we go through all this genetic testing, which, first of all, we had to wait six months to even get the genetic testing. So you have no, I, don't, I still didn't know what he had at that moment, right? So um, we wait six months, we get the genetic testing, and it comes to find out Caden has neurofibromatosis. And more, more than anything, he didn't get it from either one of us. It was a random genetic mutation. My I mean, completely random. So we go and immediately ourselves into research trying to figure out all we can about this disease that I could hardly barely even say and figure out everything I could about it so come to find out children with NF could be, go blind they could get tumors on their brain they could be learning disabled and I'm like what what am I gonna do you know because yeah, because at this he's a normal quote-unquote normal child normal other than him saying ouch with this okay, leg okay so I'm like okay what what's going on so 
this leg continues to give us problems. He's in elementary, uh, uh, pre-K by now, kindergarten. This leg is getting bigger, much larger than his other leg. I mean, much just the, Just this one limb? Just this one limb from his ankle. First, it was like his ankle. Then it starts, I noticed it getting bigger up, going towards his calf and even up. To his thigh. Like, to his, not his thigh, to his knee. To his knee, okay. So at this point, we're going back and forth to neurologists and seeing all of his specialists because now there's a whole team of people that deal with just NF. Okay. Um, so we go to doctors and everything, and, and we get on like that. Now, keep in mind, I tell you that a tumor grows on anywhere you have a nerve. He's in extreme pain. Um, putting on a sock. Uh, taking a shower and letting the water beat on your leg yeah, yeah, like the water yeah. would touch it painful um he would break out in a cold sweat if somebody just grazed his leg or brushed up against it and we have been going to the doctor trying different pain medications trying different everything but there's no cure for nf so really there's nothing you can do and there really is no pain management for it and in fact they gave us one pain management um thing that they gave they give people with uh, epilepsy oh, wow. and they give that they gave that to him that didn't work they, they were just trying to try everything because again there is no cure and there really isn't anything for yeah, right that you can do for it so we try to go and get into all these clinical studies and they had one in philadelphia and but there was no there was no guarantee he would even get the medicine he mm -hmm. might have the you know the placebo so it wouldn't even matter so I keep going to these doctors, and if it's a tumor, I'm thinking to myself, we can get some radiation or we could do something, get, remove it, right? Yeah. So I go to the doctors, and I speak to them, and they tell me, you know what? At this point, the, the tumor is 55% of his leg, from ankle to upwards to his knee. They said, we can't even take it out. If we take him out, the leg will be even more useless than what it is now. So... Um, we had to make a decision. It's going to continue to grow, grow, growing up. And, and like spread. And right, spread. right, right. We can amputate. Uh -huh. So we talked to Caden about it. My husband and I sat down and we talked about it. And I said, well, what, what do you want to do? And how old was he at this time? At this time, he was uh, seven and a half, eight. So he had been going through years of just pain. Tremendous pain. Tremendous pain. So um, we said, what do you want to do? And he said, mommy, I hate this leg. Whoa. And I just, I don't want it. And I remember I would see him sitting on the carpet just nursing his leg, and he would ball up his fist and just, like, mean mug the leg like I'm angry at it, mad. Ask my mom. He would never ask me, but he would always ask my mom, Grandma, why do I have to have this oh, leg? Oh, God. Why, 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 why do I have to have it? So he says, I, I don't want it. I said, well, he says, I said, well, you know amputation, it means to, to cut off your leg. So we had this long mirror, and I had him stand on one leg and bend his knee back. I said, this is what you'll look like for the rest of your life. There's no going back. And um, he says, I know. I, I know, Mommy, but I, I just can't. You know, he had to make that decision. I, he said, I just can't. And I had to. I, I don't know, you know, and I, I don't know his pain. My husband didn't know his pain. We don't know what that's like for him. And he was strong enough to, to make that decision. So wow. we, we looked at a lot of videos. We looked at a lot of American Ninja Warrior. Because yeah. <laughs> um, they always have yeah, amputees or right. wounded warriors. And we were doing amazing, right. We looked at a lot of that, and we talked about it a lot. And so we decided we were going to do that. So on April 25th, 2016, Caden um, had his leg amputated. But before he had his leg amputated, we threw it a party. So we threw his leg a going away party. What? And everybody was dressed up as superheroes. You had, if you could not come, if you were not dressed up as a superhero.
So we threw his leg a party. We had this surgery. We were in the hospital for about a week. And the therapist was, we got, you know, like you're on a cruise ship because it was like a weight lifted off of us. Yes. We were the happiest people in that hospital because we were pain free. Right. And I've been living a life with a son who didn't go outside, couldn't ride a bike, couldn't do anything because he, it, it was, was painful. Pa- yeah. It was too painful. So we had this new lease on life immediately. Um, and it changed his life. And when I tell you I got a brand new kid, April 25th, 2016, things will never be the same for us because he'll never have two legs again, but he'll never be that kid again. Right. And so for me, even though there's a piece of him that's missing, we've gained so much more that I can't even tell you. Mm -hmm. So in the house, you know, we're doing all this positivity and we're doing, you're doing it, but He's eight, and he remembers, at this time, remembers what it's like having two limbs. So he's comfortable around family and friends who know his story, but when it's time to go to school and do things different, it's kind of like, what are people going to say? How am I going to explain to them this thing that I barely understand? So I noticed that he was starting to get down on himself and lose confidence, won't wear pants, shorts, won't do different things. I said, let's write a story about all the things you can do now that you were never able to do before. Uh-huh. So we, we thought of this idea and, and we were talking and I said, well, Kaden, you're Kaden the Great anyway. So what, what would you like to do if you could do anything? Now you got this prosthetic limb, what would you do? He was like, I would have superpowers. I would do this, that, and I thought, I said, well, that's what we're writing a book about. Nice. So we wrote a book and Kaden the Great and the Sinister Lunch Lady. Um, and that book was birthed because of this, tri- uh, this trial that we had that we definitely want and have turned into triumph wow and that's kind of where we are with that oh that was oh my god i mean how moving is that how moving is that how is he doing now he's amazing yeah he's amazing in fact um friday he gets to go to school to dress up you know how kids dress up on dress up as a storybook character he says well mommy i gotta dress up as a storybook character and logan says kaden you can be yourself you're, you're your own superhero. Yeah. And so he's going to dress up as himself for storybook character day because he is now a story, his own storybook character. And it's a big deal. So, yes. Yeah. How has this book helped other children who deal with a range of, I don't say disabilities, but differences? Differences. Yeah. Differences. Um, well, funny, we've been talking about a lot about the book. Um, the people at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, mm-hmm. his therapists, his processes, um, all want to share with everybody that's in the clinic great, great. Um, for other kids who are amputees and different things like that. Um, but although the book talks about difference, it doesn't harp on the difference because I don't want that to be the only thing that people see when they see him. Right. He's so many other things. I mean, he's a member of the Atlanta Boy Choir. He's... Um, a straight A student. He's so many other things. So I don't want him to be defined by his difference, yes. but rather people know that the difference is a part of him and that's just it. Yes. Just like I got these locks, they're a part of me and that's just it. And people mm-hmm. keep it moving. And they're very pretty. Thank you very You're much. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and then people keep it moving and I want that to be, oh, he has a prosthetic leg. Huh, okay. okay, keep, keep it moving. moving. And so that's what it's about. So this, it, the book talks about him being an amputee, but then after that, it just keeps it moving mm-hmm. and talks about the story, the plot and, and lets kids get lost in the book. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, that is good. That is good. So, so with NF and moving forward, is there any... I don't know, medicine that slows down anything or like, or could it be a one-time thing? How much do they know about this condition? Well, um, they're doing research every day. We actually, I just actually left Florida, um, Palm Beach 
two weeks ago where I was at a symposium where they're trying out new drugs and different okay. things like that. So they are um, making strides. I'm hoping they've tried some new drugs that have some of the children have seen shrinkage in their tumors. Oh, great! Um, which is a great which is a great thing. We just want to continue that yeah. growth. Um, other than usually, other than the one problem that children or people with NF have, if that's usually the biggest thing that they would have to suffer. So okay, okay. if um, somebody has, it's affected their eyesight, that's probably going to be their thing, the eyesight. Got you. So it's very um, localized. Exactly. But one of, the, one of the things that they do have us continue to watch is your brain. As your brain grows and it continues to develop, tumors can definitely grow and different things like mm-hmm. that. And we have to constantly get MRIs. Okay. And um, constantly check his vision just to make sure. Everything's but, good. Basically, research and history has shown that if that's kind of like the thing that you're going to deal with, that's mostly going to be the brunt of okay. what you'll deal with. Okay. So we're just keeping you know prayerful. hopeful, prayerful, yeah. just, you know, remaining positive about it. That's that's going to be our thing, and and that's just it. What's your? Let's go back to you, Lakeisha, that being this amazing wife and mother and educator. What's your dream for yourself? Like your your end all be all. If if nothing else mattered, what is that for you? The only thing that I can think about, to be very honest with you, is my children's supreme happiness. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and that's just really what it is. Everything I do, every move I make, is just to see those little brown faces light up. I don't, I don't think I have another desire other yeah. than to just make sure that they're well-rounded people and that I give them everything that they need and yes. that they are equipped to go out in this world and, and impact other people. I want to leave a mark on their lives that impacts the world so that that way they can impact others. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I just, no, that's, that's good. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Thank and that's you. your truth. That's your truth, man. In 2002, you became a member of Zeta Phi Beta sorority yes, incorporated. Ma'am. Did Zeta Phi Beta choose you or did you choose Zeta Phi Beta? I chose Zeta Phi Beta. Nice. Tell me why. First of all, um, I love the color blue. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, I love the color blue. That's your truth. Right. But um, we had a Sigma Beta Club in, um, had a Sigma Beta Club in our high school. Okay. And I saw the, the boys that before they were Sigmas or they got together, they would pray every morning in high school and kind of get together and show this brotherhood. But also Zeta Phi Beta has a um, charity called Storks Nest mm-hmm. and they give to um, expectant mothers and they help them in pregnancy. And I remember being in Target, being pregnant and shopping in the bottle section. And a lady says, hey, how far along are you? I, and I told her, and then she said, well, I'm a, a member of Zeta Phi Beta, and I run a program called Storks Nest. Wow. And we give bottles. We do everything, you know, give things to expectant mothers. She said, I want you to come over here and, and, and meet with me and, and see what things you can pick up. And I, um, when I went there, they had, like, brand-new bottles. Oh, my goodness. Brand, uh, I think I got a, you know, those little bouncers things that yeah, you can yeah, turn yeah. on and vibrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one of those, and I said, oh, my God, these people are, have spirits of giving. They give. And no one in my family is, is Greek at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't a thing for us. Right, you know, right. we moved a lot, so that wasn't the thing. And then, so, um, I just, that, that one outpouring of kindness, this lady sees me shopping and trying to, 
do my little registry and shop and get things for my, my baby and I'm a single mom and different things like that and she wants to give to me. That was like, so as soon as after I had my daughter um, and I was still at FIU at the time, I said, I'm going to find a chapter wow. because of this impact that this has had on me and my unborn child. Let me see if I can do that for someone else. And one of the first um, activities or uh, things, activities that I was committed to was something called Cope South. Uh-huh. And it's a, a school for pregnant mothers, teen mothers uh-huh. in Florida. And it's a high school, like a public high school. If you yeah. got pregnant, you went to that public high school. Okay. And you could even bring your baby father. They could Ooh. go to, you could go to school together really? with, your, with your baby. Does that school still exist? It still exists. And, oh. and, and, and oddly enough, my mother went there with my, with my brother. Wow. Um, so when I became a Zeta, the first activity and the first thing that my chapter did is I went and I talked to the youth there at that, that particular school, gave pampers and everything. And that, was my way of giving back. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's beautiful. You were number one. How many were on your line? Well, I started as a number three. Okay. We had seven on our line. Gotcha. And I ended up being an ace, and all I have is a deuce. Oh, oh. So we went from seven to two. Come on, two. Yeah. And I know you I know you and her are probably very, very close. Yes, we are. Yes. She is a social worker of all social workers. She's still in Miami. Uh-huh. She's... um. Got one daughter, and then they adopted two more. Her and her husband adopted two of the beautiful. children that they were. Yeah, she's an amazing spirit, amazing, yeah. beautiful person. Yeah, and you're still active, Kappa still. Iota Zeta. Yes, good. good for you. Good for you. That's fantastic. You are, your energy is, ooh, it's something. It's, it's fantastic. What, <laughs> what's you. your daily mantra? What do, you, what do you do when you wake up? I always reflect. I'm real self-reflective of everything that I do. So even at the end of my work day, I sit and I think about what could I do differently today Mm -hmm. um, to make an impact or what choices or decisions that I make today that I could have done differently. And if I'm ever faced with this issue or situation again, how could I grow from it or learn from it? And so I... I'm my own critic, my biggest critic, of course, and I'm very self-reflective, but I'm always, I'm so grateful and humbled by God's goodness. You just have no idea. No, I do. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I do. Yeah, I'm just so grateful for life and for everything because there, things have, could have been so different for me. And I'm, I'm a firm believer it's what you do in that situation that determines your outcome. So because of that, I always try to, to keep that a part of a part of who I am and I always say that one day today will be a long time ago so no matter what you've gone through in life no matter how hard it is today mm-hmm. think about it. today might be the worst day you've ever had but one day this day will be a long time ago I love and there's going to be a there's going to be a lesson that you've learned from this this moment and you're going to be able to grow and it's going to be something that you look back on in life like look dog Keisha I got through that you right, know what I right, mean right. and so that's that's it what, say that quote again. One day. One day today will, will be, be a long, long time ago. ago. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. For anybody going through who, are, who, anybody. Are, who may be listening to this episode, they need to hear that yeah. word. Yeah. They should take it. I mean, I hope you put a coin on it. Trademark yeah, that thing, working girl. On, my assistant is, uh, <laughs> is, the publicist is working on it. Trademark that thing, yes. honey. You got to do that. You got to do that. What is your definition of cool? I think, I think, being cool is being unapologetically you, not caring about what everyone else is doing or what it looks like or, or what it seems like to other people, but being comfortable in your, in your own skin is to own your quirkiness, mm-hmm. your differences, and just own it and, and live in it and relish in it. That's right. what being cool right. is. Right. I know you have given your children their own monikers, what they live by. What is Lakeisha the what? Ha. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Lakeisha, the resilient. Yes. Because I think no matter what life has thrown at me, I've taken that thing and I, I turn it around. And um, resiliency, you just got to keep getting up. Yeah. And I've been knocked down a lot. Yes. But I keep getting up. And every time I get up, every single time I get up, I'm bigger and better than the last time. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep getting up. Yeah. Yeah. Lakeisha, yeah. the resilient. The resilient. How can people get in touch with you, get more information about Caden the Great, the amazing book? Support everything that you have going on. Right. Um, okay, so you can follow me at Keisha Writes on Instagram and Facebook, K-E-S-H-I-A Writes at, on both of those um, platforms. You can also follow us at the Caden the Great, no, Caden the Great yes. uh, underscore on Instagram and Caden Dixon on um, Facebook as well. And we are going to be having oh a book signing November 11th. Oh, great. Right. Um, at the Open for Business Workspace. Yep, yep, yep. Um, November 11th from 3.30 to 6.30. We're also doing an annual Children's Tumor Foundation walk on November 12th. Come on. So Caden's um, yes. crew will be out there. We're walking to raise funds for other children with NF. And um, coming up on the horizon, we have a nonprofit, Caden's crew. And with Caden's crew, we're going to be giving assist uh, helping families with assistive devices for their children okay because prosthetic limbs cost a lot, a lot of, money. of money and after insurance we pay all the extra money and I know okay. how much first of all if you have a child with a prosthetic leg they go through legs one or two legs a year oh just because over usage or and not growing. using it and growing, and growing. Duh, Rashawn. but over usage because they're real rough mm -hmm. one day I woke up and Caden's whole foot was turned backwards <laughs> I mean, it was the whole thing was, I'm like, what were you doing? You think yeah, I was dancing, you know, just something random. So I had to go and, you know, take it to get fixed. So different things like that, they cost money. And I know that if they're oftentimes an unexpected expense for my husband and I, I know that that's a situation for other families as well. So things like um, their prosthetic limbs, even wheelchairs, we want to help to pay the cost of differences for those for families so that they don't have that struggle. Man, you know, it's amazing what God places in our life yeah. so that we can make a difference. And you and your family and Caden are making a difference. Yeah. Had not it been him, this would have never come. I thank God every day for that child yeah. because and I, I even said, and someone always asked me, did you ever think, oh, God, what Why are you going to do? Oh, Absolutely yeah. not. Mm -hmm, Why mm -hmm. not me? Mm -hmm. God gave him to me because he felt I could handle it. He felt I was the one to be gifted with this amazing kid. And if you can trust me with something as precious as this, I got to do the right thing. And I, I just never, we never, we never felt bad about it. We never were like down in the dumps about it. It was just like, okay, God, this is what you got for us. Let's go. You know, let's figure out what we can do. And we're going to make sure he's the best he can be at all times. And yeah. that just kind of, we just took it and ran with it. Yeah. Cause you could have e easily said you got him, got him well and just shut your mouth and lived your life. No. Yeah. But that's, no. that's not the assignment. That's that not what God, yeah. that's not what he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. That's not what he wants us to do. And it's, it's, it's needed, and it's also needed mostly because culturally as a people, oh, yeah. we hide our differences. Mm -hmm. We're ashamed. You don't see other, other, other groups of people or races of people doing that as much as we do. We have all this shame attached to being different. Yeah. It's, not all, it's not our fault, but we got to have somebody to say, okay, I'm different. Look at me. It's okay. So that way we can embrace our differences because yeah. that's what makes us all unique, right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Oh, my God. Taryn, your uh, publicist, 
You did that. <laughs> I love me some, Lakeisha. Thank you. Thank you. For being so open. Yes. For sharing your amazing story. You have no idea whose life or whose lives you are going to touch by your story. Thank God for Caden. Thank God for all your children. Thank God for you. Thank you. And thank you so much for being a part of the Cool Sore Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lakeisha the Resilient, everybody. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My name is Lakeisha P. Dixon, and I am the mother of three amazing children, an author and entrepreneur, and I am a cool Sara of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Dixon!